from G2V. This podcast is made possible by the generous support of our listeners through our Patreon page at patreon.com slash G2V. Hey everyone, this is Scott Woodard of G2V Productions. Over the 4th of July weekend, I was a program participant at the annual WesterCon convention, this time held in my hometown of Portland, Oregon. While I was on a few different panels there, I decided to record one of them and share it with all of you. This particular panel was titled The Wild and Wonderful Weird West, and the description in the program read, From Firefly to the Dark Tower, works set in the Weird West are terrific entertainment. Writers discuss some of their favorite works in the field, dig into common tropes, and explore just what makes the West so wonderful. This panel featured Gordon E. Fry, S.A. Bullish, and myself, and it was moderated by my good friend David Boop. So drop your load, pull up a stump, and enjoy this recording of the wild and wonderful Weird West, a panel from WesterCon 69. Hi, I'm Dave Boop. I am your de facto moderator tonight. Um, I, uh, this is the Weird Western panel, so if uh, you're here for anything else, uh, too bad we're locking the doors in about three seconds and you're stuck. Yeah. Oh, don't you want to be here, I can tell. <laughs> you're one of the few I know for sure want to be here. Um, so I'm a Denver-based author, but I will tell you more about myself later. What's Better is if my esteemed colleagues tell you about themselves and their experiences with weird westerns or westerns in general, history or whatever it is that they're up here for, uh, however they got roped into this. Um, I see what you did there, roped in. Roped in, yeah. Uh, okay. uh, all right, we'll start <laughs> with this handsome gentleman on the end there with the fine mustache. Oh, thank you, sir. Mm -hmm. My name is Gordon Fry. Uh, I'm. Uh, <clears throat> Well, I'm an adjunct professor of history uh, at, at Navy College in Bremerton, which means I don't make enough money to live on it. Um, I got my master's degree in Western history, which is kind of cool for this, but it, I focus mostly on Spanish colonial, so that, not so much. Um, but I've been studying the Wild West ever since I was a little bitty kid, hearing stories my grandmother told me of her dad coming across in a wagon train in the 1840s and how the Indians wanted to buy him because he was a little blonde kid. Anyway, so, <laughs> so I've had, you know, I've been exposed to this all my life, and I, I absolutely adore studying the Wild West. Interesting stuff. Uh, <clears throat> anyway, I like the weird stuff. I like the mundane stuff. Um, not, I'm not into farmer stuff. Uh, cowboys. Absolutely. Wild West uh, cavalry and Indians, all the fun stuff. Anyway, I'm coming at this from a historical perspective. I can come up with some pretty odd things that happened. Uh, but so when my colleagues go off into the more weird um, fiction. fiction, there we go. We'll call them fictiony. We'll call them fictiony <laughs> things. Fiction I will say, oh yeah, we're writers. This is what really happened. And it was even weirder. So anyway, that's what I'm here for. 
Next. There you go. I am essay Bowler, Sue Bowlers, and I write everything from alternate history to straight fantasy to science fiction, but I, ha I have a special soft spot for weird westerns because, like him, my great-great-great-great-grandmother came over in 1864 to Oregon by, by covered wagon. So, um, yes, and I grew up in the West, so, and I have a degree in history, and yes, all of the above. Um, I love the, the endless possibilities of the Old West. Plus, I spend a lot of time running around in the wilderness, and so it's, you know, fun and to, to incorporate all that stuff into the stories. Scott, do you have a degree in history? I have no degree in history. I'm all sorry. Right, get out of here. I was. <laughs> uh, I'm Scott Woodard. I am a writer of many things, everything from audio drama to uh, fiction to role-playing games. And my weird Western stuff is I wrote the Six-Gun role-playing game based on the Six-Gun comic series published by Oni Press. Uh, the role-playing game is from Pinnacle Entertainment Group. I wrote the entire line, which means it's multiple books that you can get and GM screens and miniatures and the whole thing. So, uh, and I've also done some work uh, edit editorially on uh, Deadlands and a couple of the Deadlands spin-offs, if you're familiar with those. So I come at it from a gaming angle. Excellent. Uh, as I mentioned, my name is David Boop, and uh, I am the author of uh, over 50 short stories, many of those weird westerns. Um, all my weird westerns take place in a uh, shared uh, universe called uh, the Drowned Horse Chronicle. Uh, Drowned Horse, Arizona, a cursed town loosely based on Cottonwood, Arizona uh, that I started putting together when I lived in Cottonwood, Arizona for two years and felt like I was cursed. Uh, I, uh, no, I've come to grow fondly uh, in love with the town over the years, but I really only did that because I wrote it. Um, so, um, how many of you understand what a weird western is just by, you know, the way that the title is put together? All right. I'm okay. just familiar with Deadlands. Deadlands, okay. All right. Firefly. Firefly, exactly. Okay. So, weird, weird westerns um, are a, a very kind of um, nebulous sort of genre because it incorporates quite a bit of other genres. Uh, we have, uh, you know, uh, the horror westerns, science fiction westerns. And those could be science fiction in the past, such as Cowboys and Aliens, or science fiction in the future, such as uh, Outland with uh, uh, Sean Connery or Firefly. Uh, even Star Trek was conceived as a uh, as kind of a wagon train, wagon train in space. So, um, so, and steampunk is kind of a redheaded stepchild or cousin of uh, weird westerns because, of course. Steampunk, which mostly takes place in Victorian England, has of course uh, crossed over into the Old West, which was happening at the same time. So you have this this whole idea of of a uh, a Western crossed with another genre, and uh, and I, I I think that I I have seen at least in my experience just about every every genre crossed with the West, but that doesn't mean that they all blend together as well as other ones. So, just uh, going to my panel here, give an example of one that you think did a really good job of meshing the West with uh, with another genre, and maybe one that did not do so well. 
And we'll start with Scott. Good Lord. <laughs> and are you talking about film, books? Whatever you whatever? want. We, we've mentioned several things. Games, books, movies, television. Here's an easy one. Okay. Wild Wild West TV series, good. Wild Wild West motion picture, not good. Hey, I okay. was say that. Hey, you know why? He took the easy one. You're gonna that was the easy way out right there. Yeah, there you go. Um, but why? Uh, why? I, you know, because I, well, not, we'll skip, skip the giant spider. Um, but uh, I think with the, with the original series, it was, it was subtle. It was, it was handled as if this is the world that these characters live in, as opposed to the film, which was just presenting it as spectacle, and which very much felt like it was tacked on to that universe. Um, I think that that's one of the reasons why I think the show works so well. Um, and of course, you also had sort of charismatic, interesting characters who weren't over the top like they were in the film, too. So I think it might be the subtlety, which I think makes it work better uh, as a TV series. I thought um, Back to the Future 2 was, was so nice for the time travel plus the Western plus... You mean that's three? Three, three. Three, three yeah. Two, three, yeah. yeah. Because, you know, it's funny. It's Michael J. Fox. It's like there was a, good, a lot of good stuff, but he, because they also did such a good job of blending the futuristic, you know, anachronisms into the old West where he landed, you know, it was very fun because they, you know, they, they did a good job of blending the humor with everything else, okay? They didn't just go in and, and you know, make it up. They, uh, they actually had the culture clashing included in that. So I, I always enjoy that movie every time I see it just because, um, as far as what one that did not so well. I just want to say Bad Future 3 time. is my favorite of the yes, trilogy, yes, too, it for a lot of those same for reasons. For a lot of those reasons, yeah. Plus, it's a little bit steampunky, you know, by the end. And so, but I, as far as a bad example, I'm trying to, I'm trying to come up with one. So, but I also like Firefly because of what they did as far as straight up swaggering Western. It was terrific. Yeah. yeah. Back to the Future 3 was good. I like that. I'm one of the cavalrymen, by the way, in Back to the Future 3 that's chasing the Indian. Oh, awesome. <laughs> so, really? Was, I like you were... Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. Oh, my God. You there for two weeks. I'm going to, like, fanboy over this guy now. For, you know, two seconds. That's yeah. awesome. But it was a... Um, that was another life I did was as a Hollywood horse guy. Mm. Anyway, whole different uh, convention for that. <laughs> anyway, um, the postman is kind of the the uh, the book and the movie are so completely different <laughs> but they're both almost diff they're all both kind of westerns they're post-apocalyptic but there's a lot of the same western feel of you know um, high noon mm -hmm. in there uh, and of course high noon has nothing to do with the wild west <laughs> it's all about Eastern Europe but still, you know, it's a classic Western. A bad one. I avoid them. Um, <laughs> Sometimes it's hard to avoid them. This is true. Sometimes we go in with a lot of promise, uh, yeah. as I will say with my negative one. <laughs> That's true. I'm sure one will pop into my head here eventually. Okay. All right. Um, so, um, <sighs> so many to choose from. Um, so well, I'll just give a bad one since since that was what we were kind of lacking in there, and and I would have probably echoed much of their their good ones there. Um, uh, Jonah Hex mm -hmm. recently, um, which is which is sad because 
Jonah Hex is a classic weird western uh, series within DC Comics, and uh, and the character is so has such a, a rich dark history um, and 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 so many a, uh, facets to the character that just did not come through in the movie when 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 um, Megan Fox can outact uh, 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 John Malkovich when when Megan Fox can outact John Malkovich you know it's a bad film except for Josh Brolin was great come on Josh Brolin was okay they well okay so so they, they made him too pretty still even though half of his face is supposed to be gone he was still too pretty. Uh, it's like uh, uh, Tyrion Lannister in, in Game of Thrones. You know, oh, he's a dwarf, but he's he's kind of handsome and so forth. And in the books, he's like nearly impossible to look at. Well, Jonah Hex is like that too. It's really hard to look at Jonah Hex because half of his face is missing, and they kind of pulled that that punch to make sure that he was still could be a charismatic and uh, make the, the 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 women swoon, as it were. Um, so, okay, so let's talk a little bit about the history of the Weird West. Um, some of these things that we touched on as far as ones that we liked and ones that we disliked, some of them going back as far as the old Wild Wild West TV series and so forth. Um, but there is, there's a history of the Weird West that goes all the way back to the beginning of American publishing in that one of the very first dime novels ever published in America was called uh, Steam Man of the Plains about a guy who basically invented a steam-powered car. And this is many years before we have Ford and stuff like that. But this dime novel was actually a very kind of futuristic steampunk sort of story about a, a guy going across the West in a, in a steam-powered vehicle, uh, which, you know, in a lot of ways we say, okay, this is a true American genre. And you know, we may have taken a lot of things from the British and, 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 and other cultures when we came over here, but we kind of invented the weird Western, and that's kind of cool, right? So looking at that, when you kind of go into your stories um, and you start thinking about, okay, what, what's been done before? Uh, what can I add to it? Um, have, have you guys done a lot of research in in you know some of the history of the weird westerns when you go into writing and then I'll come back to you I'll leave it to the authors and then come back to you in a moment so had you read a lot of or researched any weird westerns before you started writing your own no I just kind of fell into it because it was um, it's, because I'm a panther writer you know the, the blank page beckons and um, some of them have just been inspired by short stories that um, I began as, as a challenge for my workshop okay and they ended up being because I wanted to do like the old west and then it was like I need to have a, a, a speculative fiction you know element in here because I'm supposed to be writing fantasy and science fiction uh -huh. so the one that I sold to science fiction trails ended up being you know it started out as kind of a straight western and then it was like but what did they just find? So they found a buried spaceship. So then what happens? And yeah, no, because this is why I sort of stumbled into that one. And the, the alternate history 
is set in the Old West, but it's an entirely new Old West, basically. It's, you know, I've rewritten the entire history of the North American continent for that book. So um, it, again, was, it started as something and that's where we went because I wanted to write, I wanted to write one that was set on the frontier that had, you know, a culture clash and um, yeah, so it ended up being an odd, weird West. Mm -hmm. um, but no, I did not start out to write them. They just happened. Okay. How about you? How about how much had you read a weird Western before Pinnacle came to you and said, you know, we got this thing called the Six Gun? Well, I mean, I was certainly familiar with it, but it's interesting that when I was doing this, obviously my source material was the comics. Right. And I needed to very narrowly focus my attentions on those comics as opposed to really trying to draw stuff from existing Weird Western mm -hmm. materials. And, and what was it, a bit of a twist is that when I was working on this, if I just kept the Six Gun Comics as my source for Weird Western material, mm -hmm. all the other research I did was on the real West, mm -hmm. and that was actually kind of a fun thing. I had I wound up having piles and piles of books on the real Old West mm -hmm. to try to incorporate that into a setting that was weird Western. So it was almost like I did that in reverse, which was kind of an interesting thing. Well, you know, there is a uh, there there's a uh, saying uh, in fiction that if you can't sell them on your reality, you'll never sell them on your fantasy. Right. So okay. So flipping over to you. <clears throat> Um, so looking, what we have here, she talks about an alternate history, um, and then there's another term that we use a lot in, in fiction uh, called secret history, right. which basically says this could have happened, but nobody knows about it. You know, kind of the difference of the, um, the Wild West TV series versus the Wild West movie. You know, Wild West TV series was all secret history. It was all uncovered files from the, the early days of... Uh, the C was he CIA or Secret Service? Service. Early days of Secret Pinkerton Service. Or yeah. yeah. Um, versus the movie where you know you have a three hundred foot mechanical spider walking through the desert. Kind of hard <laughs> to keep that secret. So um, and so within this scope of of history, uh, especially in the West, which has been so explored, do we still have room for secret history? Oh, or, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Um, you know, having grown up with the Wild Wild West, you know, it's like watching it on prime time. Mm -hmm. um, remember the first time I got to watch it in color, it was wow, it's really cool. Um, there's all kinds of neat stuff that actually did go on. Um, there, you know, the Pinkertons, of course, mostly what they were doing was putting down labor strikes uh, pretty violently, but there's a lot of room for exploring that. And also, you mentioned the dime novels. Mm -hmm. I want to talk a little bit about dime novels. and. You know, we watch movies and, you know, read books a little bit, but mostly movies are the genre everybody sees. And so you see people saying, oh, that's a really neat coat. I need to have one of those. Well, the dime novels about cowboys and Wild West, written by people who'd never been there, uh, they would, you know, describe what they thought a cowboy ought to look like. And the cowboys would eat this stuff up and say, oh, that's what I'm supposed to look like. And so you have these cowboys thinking, oh, I better get me a red sash. And oh, Spanish spurs? Ooh, how cool is that? I gotta get, go get me some big Mexican spurs. And start high heel boots? Wow, that sounds neat. And so there's a self-fulfilling thing of, it'd be written in a dime novel, 
and they'd read about it and copy it. Then the dime novelist would hear about it, and he'd expand on that, and then these guys would read about it and go, wow, that's really cool, I have to do that. Um, well, not only that, but all the people coming from the East would, was, would expect it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so they'd come and it's like, oh, I'm going to buy a ranch, I'm going to hire a bunch of ranchers. Wait, you guys aren't dressed the way I thought you would. I Spanish spurs for everybody, you know. <laughs> well, and also, and then, then with our movies, we, you know, I mean, see, everybody's wearing a vest, right, in the, in the TV shows or movies, and in real life they did, except it was part of the suit that they bought in town, and they're wearing the vest and the pants, and they left the coat back in the bunkhouse. Well, then you get guys like Tom Mix and stuff in the movies who expand upon that. And eventually you've got John Wayne wearing this dumb leather vest that looks nothing like everybody wore at the time. Yet that's what modern cowboys have to wear. Same with the hats. And the hats. you got this goofy-looking goat rope on. It's like, <laughs> like what they actually wore. Well, yeah, they didn't do that. But, you know, the, again, they were mentioning their sombrero. Wow, I gotta get me a sombrero, because that's what they, you know, no, it's just a Spanish term for a hat, but anyway. Um, but anyway, so that's the macro for the micro. There is so much weird stuff that happened in the West. Um, like, let's say, Lewis and Clark, let's go back a little further for the, the, the secret history. Lewis and Clark brought with them an air rifle, a 20 shot air rifle that would send a 62 caliber bullet out at about, I don't know, 1,200 feet a second or something like that, which is enough to kill an animal, certainly killed a couple of people. Um, you don't hear about that because like, it was too weird at the time. But yet, you can pull that out and you can put plop that in the middle of some, uh, uh, you know, a novel, and most people would say, oh, that's baloney. Haha, it's not, it's called a jirangoni. <laughs> And um, so there's plenty of room for that stuff. The reality's there. It's weirder than you could probably make up. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, yeah. Okay. Um, and if you guys want to jump in on anything too, feel free to just. Oh, here's start. one for you for, for weird history. Mm -hmm. I live uh, in Kingston, Washington. Actually, on Gamble Bay. And there was actually a naval battle with the Indians on Gamble Bay, which is part of Hood Canal. Said, well, what? Um, <clears throat> during the Great, Greater, uh, whatever war, anyway, the Indian War in Washington, 1856, a bunch of Tlingits came down from Alaska in Hidatsa canoes that they'd stolen and decided they were going to take some slaves of the local um, Skalalum tribe that live across the street from me. Uh, and they sent word to the Navy. The Navy had a little gunboat in Port Townsend, and they went to the rescue, and they shot the heck out of these Klingits, and then towed them what was left, the remainder out, and dropped them in the middle of, of uh, the Straits of Juan de Fuca, and tried to give them to the governor of British Columbia. He said, I don't want them. They're not mine. They're Russian. Uh, I thought, okay, we'll just leave them adrift. A friend of mine who's a member of the tribe has a cannonball that his brother found there. That the only way it could have gotten there was if it was shot by this naval vessel in 1856. Weird stuff. Who knew? There's a naval battle in Washington? Or the USS Decatur, a 44-gun frigate, came to the rescue of Seattle, the 
in the same war a couple months earlier because all the guys in Seattle were drunk. <laughs> they built a blockhouse to defend the place and then got roaring drunk and the sailors and marines had to save it. And they would walk, there was this one house in Seattle that these guys had walked by, the sailors and marines would have to march by and this woman would come out and abuse them until one very old bosun came by and he said, I remember you, Sadie. I remember you down in Valparaiso. And she, and she shut up. <laughs> she didn't like sailors for a good reason. <laughs> well, I always think about, you know, stuff like the Hunley. You know, to right. me, I think that's the epitome of sort of, you know, weird science mm -hmm. from that era. The fact that we had a submarine. I mean, it's just that kind of stuff is amazing. And then when you start to delve into it, you find there's a lot more of that stuff out there that was military secret and from that era that was actually true. Actually, to riff off that for a second, the Union had one too. It was called the Alligator. Mm -hmm. They never actually used it, but it was called the Alligator. The guy who invented it had been an engineering professor at the University of Nantes. One of the students at the University of Nantes in France was Jules Verne. Hmm. Hmm. Oh, hmm. interesting. <laughs> interesting. Anyway, yeah. um, so we talked. That was really good because he touched on some of the science elements um, of the the West. And of course, when people were going out and settling and so forth, sometimes. Um, they you know had to pull a Matt Damon and they had to build their own science. They had to science the <laughs> crap out of it, um, and, and we have a lot of of technology that was probably created during that time that ended up being destroyed and lost. And who knows who have, could have invented something? It uh, given that it not be in the West, had it been out east, would have you know, changed history in that regard. It gives us a lot of fertile ground to play with. I'll give you an example. Um, uh, there's there's um, uh, evidence that a gentleman had a steam-powered airplane that successfully flew farther than the Wright brothers uh, almost a year before the Wright brothers, uh, uh, Lyman Gilmore Jr., uh, down in California. And he submitted his, his blueprints and he submitted pictures and they all mysteriously disappeared uh, at the patent office. And uh, apparently the person who worked at the patent office was uh, attached to the Wright brothers in some way, a cousin or whatever. I thought you were going to say it was with Edison. <laughs> it seemed natural then. You know, in a lot of ways you'd almost think so, yeah. Um, so, you know, there's, there's this room for, for lost uh, science that we can certainly play with. Uh, but then if we look at the supernatural aspects of things, now these a lot of people were coming west for the first time um, with a lot of their history, their parents' history of uh, from Europe of, of demons and monsters and goblins and all stuff like that, uh, and then not knowing what they were going to find out in the west. So let's talk a little bit about the, the paranormal, the metaphysical, as it were, of the Old West. Um, uh, what, so, you know, you have the, 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 the Indian legends and then their own legends coming over. Um, why, is, uh, why is that such a rich, fertile ground for us to play in, the, the idea of uh, 
demons and monsters and 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 some of the stuff like that you play in the Six Gun. Why does that appeal to us? Why did why do we want to put horror elements into the West, and and why does it seem to merge so well with it? Well, because the you know of course the Wild West it was the great unknown. It was a territory that at least for the for the white man it was right. the great unknown, mm. and so it seemed like anything was possible out there. I mean, as far as we knew, we could be walking out and there would be you know dragons and you know but it did, we just didn't know. And, and then I think that that just carries over into fiction so beautifully because why not just say well the stuff that we that people thought might be out there actually was out there, and so I think it's a natural. It's a perfect fit. No, I was just going to say, well, and they also had some tangible evidence that maybe there were nasty things out there. You know, when when they get to Mesa Verde and here's this perfect, you know, perfectly preserved city, you know, that's ancient and there's no people and, and no one can tell them where the people went. So they're running across this stuff, you know, that... And there are legends, you know, out of Chaco Canyon and out of Utah where there's, like, supposedly people shouldn't go, you know, because they disappear. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, there was some of that stuff floating around. Plus, they're running into cultures that they didn't understand to start with. Well, and animals as well. Yeah. I mean, there were things yeah. out there that had never been seen before. Right. So it all became very mystical. I would also like to point out that in the 1690s, see the Wild West was a whole lot further east. Yes. Yes. And what was the manifestation in the 1690s on the Wild West frontier it was Salem. And so you've got exactly what you said. You have the old world legends and fears. And also, the woman who got the whole thing started was from the West Indies. Her native, yeah, her native American lore, and you can extrapolate that later and further west very easily, but mm-hmm. it, nothing, we'd have to change a lick. Uh, the frontier did, <laughs> but we didn't, and you have these, you know, hysterias that, whether it's a gold rush or whatever, that sweep um, the populace, not a difficult thing to do. Good. Would you say that High Plains Drifter qualifies? Yes. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. We were just talking about that film today, earlier. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. There's a, there's a lot of westerns that really kind of... So, uh, Tony Hillerman uh, writes, uh, wrote a lot of western mysteries. And within them, there were sometimes Native American spiritual elements. And if you put an element of that in, does that make it a weird Western? Or is it still just a Western because, you know, we don't know that the Native American uh, that the detective goes to talk to didn't contact the gods and got an answer or had the gods intervened or whatever. So it becomes kind of this gray area that says, well, you know, if you want to believe that, say, the Native American contacted the spirits and got the answer to who killed somebody or whatever, then you can make it a weird Western, or if you can say, you know, uh, it was not uh, really the gods who intervened, but luck or, you know, the set of clues and so forth, you know, then you're still just firmly into mystery. Um, Longmire, the, the books in the show, uh, play around with the idea of the Native American spirituality and so forth. Um, you know, do we b- want to believe 
that uh, that uh, Longmire had a uh, spirit walk, and his body left his you know or his spirit left his body, and he got a clue when he did that. Yeah, if you want to believe that, it pushes it into a weird western, at least that particular book or that particular episode. Um, and it's fun. So, you know, but if you don't want to believe that, you just go, oh, he was hallucinating and his own psyche gave him the answer. Well, then you're boring and, uh, <laughs> and you really shouldn't be here. Uh, so, uh, yeah. So, you know, we can we can play around with that a little bit. Let's um, before we open it up to questions, I want to look at one other thing real quick, which is kind of a reverse of the weird Western where we take something that is clearly another genre and add a Western element to it. So, uh, Justified, uh, for those of you who didn't see it, had a, a modern uh, cop drama, but with a clearly Western spin to it. Mm. Firefly, science fiction, with a clearly Western spin on it. Star Wars. S- Star Wars, to a certain extent, yeah, very much so. Um, there's a lot of... Uh, movies and television shows where people say oh it had that western element to it so in that regard um what is it about the west that we want to then blend with other genres i mean we've now talked about how to blend other genres of the west let's talk about talking about the, putting the west into other other genres and and we'll look at this from a historical perspective as well but sue so start with you um I think the allure of the West is because it was so wide open and you, you know, the, the whole people could, you know, you, it was not just the gunslinger thing, but it was the, the whole stand up for yourself thing because it took strong people to survive in the West. You know, the settlers, you know, needed to be pretty dang tough. And, so you have this, and plus you have this clash of civilizations, you know, good, bad, or indifferent, there you are. And, but, you know, the people back east were so enthralled with the west because it was so freaking different from their very orderly and settled lives. So you have these kind of larger-than-life figures that they, you know, they don't really realize that they're ordinary people, but, you know, the dying exactly. <laughs> you know, made it such a mystique that we, it's still just ingrained in the American psyche. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you bring those elements in of a very strong guy who's going to clean up the town, you know, or, you know, they're just going to make stuff happen which is really intriguing all the time that you can bring those elements into the cop on the street who is going to clean up the bad part of town or right. whatever it is you know it, it just it, we expect people to be able to do that yeah. because of the wild west right. yeah. you know absolutely. yeah absolutely well, I mean, the, the West, especially to, well, to most of the world, is certain, but certainly to uh, American audiences, it's it's the, the place where our Robin Hoods and our Ivanhoes came from. I mean, the Jesse James and the Billy the Kids, those are characters that are larger than life for us. Kit Carson. Yeah, and they are they are our sort of our myths and our legends. And I think to, to apply those types of characters to uh, a fiction, whatever it may be, a cop show or whatever, uh, is only a natural fit for us. I think we, we just we feel comfortable mm-hmm. doing that kind of a thing, and we can uh, we can 
we can believe it because the funny thing too is that with the West, it's still so close to us. I mean, depending on how old you are, my, like my, you know, my there were still some of these legends of the old West who were still kicking when my grandparents were we were alive, and you can go almost anywhere and walk through ghost towns or walk through buildings that are that still have. You know, they may be dilapidated, falling down or whatever, but they still have relics from that time that you can walk in and it's like, this is, this is, they're, they're here, they're very much here and now. And we're I less think than a hundred years away. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. yeah. 1890s or whatever, where yeah. we think yeah. about, you know, sort of that well, era. We, even, we can, we can look, I mean, the classic era is, is, um, was it 19, or sorry, 1859 to 1919 or something like that. So, I mean, you know, we're... At, at at 2016, we're we're less than a hundred years from the end of the old west, and there are people who are dying that are a hundred years old. Yeah. So there are people who can we can still talk to that certainly, if not were in the old west, their parents were right. You know, or uncles and aunts and stuff like that. So you know, there's there's still that connection, and that's where the the historical element comes into this. Is you know we. We're finding more and more um, series produced uh, uh, documentaries and so forth on the Old West where we're going back and exploring this time and bringing more of, uh, uh, of the reality of that era forward, which in some ways takes away a little bit from the romance. Do you think that we benefit by going back and exploring and, and looking at history and saying, you know, well, you know, this is how bad it really was, or do we still want to have some of that romantic through rose-colored eyes of what the Old West was like? The advantage of the Old West is like a really good politician. You can read anything into it that you want. <laughs> okay. And we can all take something out of the West, or should I say, we can all put ourselves into the West and say, I could have done that. Oh yeah, that's me. Um, and because, because we're so you know, involved in the mythology rather than the reality, rather than the fact that like, cowboys had a dirty, hard, very dangerous job. And most of them died from either pneumonia or drowning. Or uh, STDs. Well, that a works. lot of STD deaths. <laughs> this is also true. Oh yeah. Um, but but the mythology is like is far larger than life. Even at the time, the mythology was far larger than life. And so we can delve into the you know the realities, the dirty realities, and it's still we still don't lose that. Well, the childlike wonder yeah. of, of wow, this guy's a cowboy. Now, part of it has to do with grabbing back, back to what you were saying about um, our Ivanhoe. Okay. Here's a man on a horse, and a man on a horse is always a symbol of mythology. Whether he's riding to the rescue or he's bringing death with him, he's still a mythological character. And you have these cowboys, like the, there's a story about a guy riding his horse into a saloon. And some guys jostled and they said to the bartender, how can you how can you allow it? And the bartender says to him, Well, what the hell are you doing in here foot a foot anyway? <laughs> you know, it's like, well, yeah, he's on his horse, so why are you complaining? It, 
that's the mythology of a man and a horse. And that was everything. Even though in the East Coast, yeah, people rode horses, but most of them took wagons or carriages or trains. They didn't actually ride all that much. That's what a gentleman does. So in the West, every cowpoke was a gentleman. That was our, you know, raising him to the level of a knight, which is, wow, that's what our mythology is all about. The man on horseback with a sword, well, a six gun in this case, and, and a rope, okay. <clears throat> and so we can read all this marvelous stuff into it, into what was a pretty rough, dangerous job. Let's take some questions. Um, where would you place Unforgiven as part of the Weird West? Gritty reality. <laughs> what was that? Gritty reality? Gritty reality. <laughs> I also thought it was kind of a gothic western. There, there's definitely a dark element to it. Um, I don't know that if it, I don't think that it ever crosses over into a, a paranormal or uh, a metaphysical or anything like that. Um, I think I still put that one predominantly in the West, uh, just a standard Western. Uh, if I'd seen something of more of a supernatural nature, you know, um, he, you know, he got shot three times and and he's dead, but then he gets up and he's okay, you know. Then we start talking, but uh, there are theories that I mean, uh, we're straying a little bit, but there are theories about Pale Rider saying now, that Pale Rider he may yeah. be. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that may be a word lesson. Yeah, um, God, there was one um, purgatory that uh, I think oh, it was. Yeah. Oh yeah. Pier, uh, Pierce Brosnan. Randy Quaid was in that. No, no, no. Maybe I'm thinking of something else. Um, Liam Neeson and uh, and um, Pierce Brosnan were in one where uh, Liam Neeson is chasing after Pierce and. Uh, it turns out that the whole thing, they were both dead and in purgatory, and, uh, and they were perpetually chasing each other for, for, for forever. Um, yeah, I can't think of the name of the film now, but it's some one word one like that, so. Did, did you know the name, or? Are you? I can't think of the name. Okay, so hold on, let me get to her, and then we'll come to you. Yes, ma'am. Does any of the panel have an opinion about Winona uh, Earp and the brand new TV show? Mm-hmm. I think definitely fits into this category. Yes, absolutely it does. Has anybody else seen Wine on Over? I only saw the first one. I, mm. I only saw the first one as well, which really kind of says, for me, what my statement is on it. Because as a weird Western writer, I was very excited about the concept. Um, but I thought the execution was, was a little poor. And when I'm already behind on watching a lot of shows, I kind of pushed it back for the time <laughs> being. It is clearly... A, weird, a modern weird western, okay? It is set in contemporary times, but it is set in the West, and it has this entire Western element of revenge, and, and it has the undead and everything like that. So it is clearly a weird Western. Um, I read some issues of the comic. I like the comic better. I'm told that if I can get through the first three episodes, it gets better. And I... It was a little vague, but of course, it's something brand new. So. Right, right. Well, I, yeah, I guess part of the problem was 
that it, it was I know sci-fi can do better special effects than what they were doing too and I did not like the special effects for the demons um, the undead I, I thought it was very something like I could have done at at home in my backyard so um, I felt that that but I'm told that the story compensates for that after you get through three episodes who knows maybe after a couple of shows uh, finish up I may go back to it or pick up a box set at some point um, it has a lot of promise. I want more weird westerns on TV because I have my own idea for a TV show. And <laughs> I'm really hoping that if they take off, that maybe someday somebody will want mine. So. Uh, well, I like the fact that it has strong female lead. It was flawed. And flawed characters. Right. We, we and, and maybe you guys can add to this a little bit. We, we were talking about anti-heroes earlier today on another panel. And when you talk about the Old West, you know, we, we the, the man in the white hat or the man in the black hat, you know, as, as classic definitions of good versus evil. But really, in a lot of ways, you know, it was about survival. And the good people did bad things to survive. Does that make them bad? Uh, did the good people who did good things um, and then ended up getting killed, should they have touched a little bit more of that darkness to survive? What do you guys think? Do you think that there are good people in the old, in, in classic, or, or let's just say weird westerns, or do you think everybody needs to, you know, have a little bit of that darkness in them to survive in such a hostile place? I think if they're not willing to go there, they're not going to last, you know? So, yeah. I, there's, a, there's a book that I have on my shelf, and I can't remember the exact title, but it's something about mishaps, wrecks, and whatever else in the Old West. And it was about when my dad read it, because he was a, a, an Old West buff from, for, you know, because he'd grown up much closer to that era. Um, he said, how stupid are these people? Because, you know, they, they like in the, the southern route to California during the gold rush, it's out there through the middle of the southwest. There's no water. There's no nothing. And these people are jumping in their wagons and they're just going out there, you know, and they're dying of thirst. And, you know, the smart ones took a, a milk cow with them, you know. Mm -hmm. it was, you know, it was like, oh, holy mackerel, how dumb can these people be? So it was a really harsh... Um, sort of Darwinian environment for a lot of people who came out there in hope and didn't survive because they didn't realize that they needed to be tougher than they were or were not willing to go there. You, you've, you've got archetypes here. It's, a, it's an RPG. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as we know, you know, lawful good versus, you know, chaotic neutral and, and true evil and, and all these things like that. Um, do you think that a lawfully good character made for this this role playing system could survive to the end of the campaign? No. <laughs> no. As a matter of fact, one of the one of the things that's explored in the Six Gun comic is that everybody gets tainted by the events that surround them and the things that surround them. So even the purest character, Becky Moncrief, uh, really winds up having a particularly sinister, dark side and, and great power. Um, but um, yeah, I don't think anybody can handle that kind of a of an environment without having a dark side. Yeah. 
question, sir. I didn't want to get into the weird West aspect with the movie I really enjoyed, Cowboys vs. Aliens. Yes. That's still, to this day, one of my favorites. Well, and I, you know what, and, and people, I've, I've had people bust on that movie, and I say, what did you expect? It told you what was in the movie in the title. <laughs> I went into that and I said, I expect to see cowboys and aliens. And I did. <laughs> I didn't expect Shakespeare. <laughs> you know? Yeah, so we've got Indiana Jones and James Bond on the screen for the first time, which was nice. They're both good actors and they played well off of each other. That was a bonus. We got Indians, too. It wasn't even in the title. I consider that a bonus. <laughs> um, now, what's interesting is that the, um, the, it's based on a comic. But it's not. There is nothing in that comic that matches the movie whatsoever. I've had the comic, I have the movie, completely different. Both of them are very enjoyable, and both of them give me cowboys and aliens. It's like going to Freddy versus Jason and expecting Mike Myers to show up or something like that. <laughs> what? It said Freddy versus Jason. They fought each other. One fought in the dream world, one fought in the reality. What were you expecting? I got my money's worth. You guys, what did you, did you all see Cowboys and Aliens? I loved it. Yeah? I loved it. Yeah, James Bond and Indiana Jones, you know. Oh, yeah. Oh, hell yeah. But, you know, it was cool how, you know, here's the Cowboys, and the, the Indians say, hey, we need a truce because these guys are a lot worse than either of us. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, we can do that. I mean, it, it was brilliant. Yeah. Well, even the preacher, we talk about Tainted with Darkness. And, and, you know, I love him. He's, he's awesome. Did you see it? I haven't seen it, and I need to because it's on my list. It, it's just fun. It's yeah. fun. Yeah, don't fun. expect yeah, Shakespeare yeah. or... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, kind, of, kind of like watching A Knight's Tale and expecting it to be actually accurate. Yeah. It wasn't? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Wait, wait. So, so what it is. Yeah, I thought Freddie Mercury remade all those songs for medieval... Uh, <laughs> and everybody yes. dressed like Catherine. In my other life, I joust. In my other life, I joust. That has nothing. This is called... This is called the porn star. <laughs> couch your lance and you start off. It's called the porn star because your lance is going like this. <laughs> you know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, no, and, and you know what? And, and what's funnier about that is uh, is um, one of one of my favorite westerns, um, and it really can't theoretically. It probably crosses a little into the metaphysical, but uh, um, uh, Man from Snowy River. And what they did in the scene where they're uh, they're there's uh, they're having to ride around the ring, and and uh, and hit these targets, and the one guy does it with uh, with uh, with a lance, uh, which is a very knightly thing, and the other guy comes up and he does it with a whip, you know, which is a very cowboy thing, and I I just love that sequence. I, well, I, I love that movie. So anyway, I want uh, to actually jump for a second back to what we were talking about with the okay. extremes. Uh huh. And I think an extreme environment gets extreme reactions. You know, you have extreme behaviors. <clears throat> you have, in reality, you have guys like Charles Goodnight, who was a decent guy, but he wrestled his, arrested, I should say, his, um, his ranching empire from the Indians. And then when other white guys tried to horn in, he was happy to use the same techniques to keep them out. They call them cattle wars. Absolutely, they're range wars. Yeah. And so you had the Pleasant Valley War you had yeah. in Arizona. You had the Lincoln County War in uh, New Mexico. You had the Johnson County War in Wyoming. 
You also had a range war between archaeologists from Yale and Harvard, by the way, um, which was fun. Well, that, that sounds like a story for over a beer. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Dinosaur. I, I came late to this panel. I was wondering if we already covered Firefly and if there was any news about it or anything. Um, we were mostly talking about the history. Um, as far as I know, the way I've heard it is that the Science Channel told, told Nathan Fillion, if you ever leave Castle, we will put money together to bring Firefly back. As we all know, Nathan Fillion has left Castle, but I understand that it is entirely possible that CBS is courting him for the new Star Trek as well. Yeah, I heard that. Also in the New Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Yeah, and he's in the New Guardians. And he may just decide not to do television at this point because he can get enough film work. So as far as I know, and that's the last thing I heard, and that's when Science Channel uh, bought and was rerunning that which was a couple of years ago but the news article said that they have an open invitation that the second that Nathan Fillion stops doing Castle that they would fund a new Firefly or Serenity series um, but because he's been now out of this for about three months and I heard anything it leads me to believe it's entirely possible that either Every, they couldn't get the cast together because of now they're on other projects or more likely Nathan Fillion does not want to do Firefly at this point. This is all rumor. I have no connections with it whatsoever. Well, I just wanted to say one of the wonderful things about that show that I love is the, uh, the variety of comedy and drama and pathos and character development. That and it was so rich. It was such a rich field, and I felt like we just got started, and they just ripped it out. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Studio politics. Yeah. So, okay. I think that's our time. And we didn't uh, even talk about Briscoe County Jr. Oh my God, we didn't. Okay, wait, 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 wait. We have two minutes. Let's talk about Briscoe County Jr. Because you're absolutely right. We did not talk about Briscoe County Jr. But wait, I gave you an opportunity. I, you wasted your I like. I threw um, Wild Wild West. You went with Wild Wild West. You could have given that to him, and he was struggling down there. I think we would all agree Briscoe County Jr. is a long, is a very much a missed show. Yeah, yeah. Briscoe County, and the one that followed right after it that was also that had uh, John Delancey in it. It, um, legend. Legend. legend, yeah, legend. that was okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then there was another one, the uh, Adventures of Jules Verne. Um, actually, brings him to the Old West. And there's several weird Western episodes on that series as well. Um, there was a period was very rich with this. Uh, everybody was trying to tap into something, and I think it was around the time that the Wild Wild West movie came out. Mm -hmm. Everybody thought it was going to be much bigger, and so they funded a lot of shows. Um, uh, definitely, Briscoe County Jr. is the jewel in that. I wanted to mention one other thing that has a Western character in it. That's Dracula. Quincy Morris, which yeah. is a Texan. Yeah. And he carries his Bowie knife and his revolver. Yeah. Well, and we see that we see that in uh, the Showtime series Penny Dreadful yeah. as well. It was so Gosh. great this season when they went and turned it into weird western for a while. So Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm behind, but uh, um, that's a series I hope that you know, it's been canceled now. But I hope that the, at least maybe the potential for uh, some movies and, and things like that 
Uh, no, they said it's that was it. That was it. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Everybody says it's it until their kids need braces. Uh, <laughs> then, and then, of course, one one more to just toss out. You know, now uh, on Preacher, they've been doing the old. The, they have the Weird West uh, storyline as well. So yeah, yeah, yeah Preacher. Well, and uh, Legends, uh, the the Legends of Tomorrow went back and did a Jonah, Jonah Hex, Hex yeah. that was certainly better than the the movie. Though I still think that they yeah. made him too pretty and <laughs> and and didn't capture enough of that weird west. It's the CW, you can't help it. You can't help it. Every, everybody's pretty on the CW. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for thank coming. For those of you interested in my work, I do have a, a, a table in the dealer's room with a lot of weird westerns. Do uh, so you have uh, in the dealer's room? Uh, yeah, these are not weird westerns, but they are in the dealer's room at okay. the dealer's. All right. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys.